Welcome to Gossip Pro, the show where we break the silence and unmask the professional world. I'm your host, AC. And I'm her partner in crime, Chase. So tune in, learn and evolve. And sidestep those professional pitfalls. So Chase, what do you think helps a candidate get the job? Preparation, which we're going to touch on today. Yeah. Is key for any interviewee to succeed in the interview process, to be the best fit for the role, as well as the brand, the company, and the individual interviewing them might end up being their line manager. So if there's a personality clash, then more than likely they would opt to go for someone else. Yeah, because apparently 90% of hiring managers say if a candidate prepares, they're more likely to get the job. But I've seen situations, even if you do prepare, you might not still get the job. And I think sometimes it's between two candidates that might have both prepared really well. And then it comes down to, you know, company fit or, or team fit or personality fit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Plus also, did you know, it's an undisclosed fact that one in three jobs that are advertised have been promised to someone else already. Oh, really? Specifically jobs that are above the most junior level. So anything supervisor and above has already been promised to another candidate. Oh, that's a shame for most people because they're putting a lot of effort into these interview processes that they're never going to get. Yeah, and they advertise it, they go through everything that they need to go through, and then they end up choosing the person that they had originally promised the role to in the first place. A lot of managers make that mistake. I mean, I've been in situations where there was a role that I went for that I found out that someone else was going for and it was promised to them, but I went through the interview process and I actually got the job. Because I was a better fit for the role. Which is great that someone actually selected you. I had a similar situation where I found out after I had got the position that there was an internal candidate that went for the role, as well as a secondary candidate that actually worked with the hiring manager for a significant portion of time. But luckily for me, the hiring manager was very objective and decided to select me because they found that I was best suited for the role. So it can happen. So even if it is promised to someone else. I agree, yeah. I think what a lot of candidates don't also realise is that if you've been invited to an interview, I mean, they already think you're qualified. They want to give you the job. They know you've got the skills. And what you want to do is when you get to the interview is to not change their minds. You want to make sure that you're showing the best version of yourself, that you can actually do the job. What do you think, Chase? You're reaffirming what their beliefs are in you as a candidate already. What they're trying to see is what's your personality like and are you the right fit for the brand as well as the role itself? On that note, we created a method called practice to help you for your interview process. Break that acronym down for us, AC. I will. So prepare, rehearse, assess, change, timekeeping, impression, calm and collected and engaged. And for anyone who's further interested in practice, not only are we going to provide a download link explaining what each of those areas mean, but we're also going to do a short video fully explaining the practice model for anyone going for an interview to use it to be successful. I love that. So we've said preparation is key and a lot of hiring managers are saying that as well. How long have you in the past spent on preparation, Chase? When I'm usually looking for a job, the first interview that I get, I spend a long time. I would say anything between 10 to 15 hours because I'm having to bring all the literature together, look at the job description and review it against my resume and consider what questions might they ask me. So yeah, the first one's definitely the longest, but after that, the hours do reduce because I end up re- 
recycling the literature put together. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I actually do spend quite a lot of time at the beginning, definitely really trying to understand the job spec. Now, I looked at SEMA and they've said that 60% spend less than four hours on interview prep. Oh, wow. That's quite a lot of people not really preparing for an interview. Yeah, that's not enough time to really prepare yourself and more than likely those individuals will suffer from anxiety when they go to the interview because you will be hit with a question that you really can't answer or you don't know how to answer or you answer in a way that's not suited for the role because you haven't looked at the roles and responsibilities within the job spec. And the worst thing you can do is try and think of something on the spot because it will come out wrong or it's not even the right example that's relevant to the role. I know when I first started my career and I didn't know how to approach this, I've answered questions and I'm like, uh, why did why did I say that? Because it's not relevant to the job. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've, I've done something, but it's not really relevant. Yeah, been there, done that. So don't do it. Prepare. So you might be thinking, you know, if you're going to spend over 10 hours preparing, how would you split that time? Well, my recommendation would be, you know, 20% research the company because I think that's so important. And then the next bit, which is 40% of your time, should be really thinking about those questions and thinking about how is your experience matching the job responsibilities. That's really key. And then the last 40%, which you know, I've been guilty in the past for not doing is to rehearse it. So you could sit there and write a whole lot of examples. But unless you've actually said it out loud, and you've sat in a mock interview, you're not sure how that's going to come across. So you really should be rehearsing. Most of the best editing comes from hearing the words out loud. I've been there in front of the mirror and rehearsed an interview and said to myself, Oh, that actually doesn't sound quite right. Or that kind of lasted longer than it should have. And a lot of my best editing took place when when I did that I think you end up waffling a lot so I think if you do practice it gets rid of all the stuff you really don't need to say in an interview yeah that excess fat is taken out it's definitely more refined mm. so if we look at company research like what kind of things would you do in terms of the research it really depends on the position I'm going for and I did say this in part one also, and if you haven't watched that, I'm going to put a link above so you guys can see that one. Or if you're listening on the podcast, then go to the previous episode. You should really do the research based on the position you're going for. So if you're going for a financial role, then make sure you understand the company's finances. If you're going for a marketing role, then make sure you understand the marketing side of the company, what they're doing. If they've got a newsletter, hey, sign up to it. I know, AC, you've done that on many occasions. Mm -hmm. So that's what I try to do as well. Literally look at everything that might come up about the company. Definitely familiarize yourself with the values of the company, the mission of the company. I think it's really important because you could get that trick question which says, how do your values align with our values? Or what's your favorite value? And you could just be sitting there thinking, okay, I can't come up with something on the spot. You really need to know your stuff about that company. That's a very good one because the amount of times I've asked that question in an interview and the candidates had no idea and they've made something up on the spot and I'm like, could have just easily said to me that you don't fully know what the values are of the company but your values are x y and z that's actually a good response so if you don't know that is a nice way to respond yeah. but ideally you know know their values yeah, and this is why you break it down right research is that now Another element of research, which is key for candidates to do is if you know anyone that's previously worked for that company, then get in contact with them. Ask them, what is it like working for that company? Because you want to know if the company is a good fit for you also. This ain't a one-sided thing. Plus, 
when you speak to anyone who's worked for the company previously they might tell you what is the characteristics that's best liked within that company like do they like things to be direct and straight to the point so that way what you can do is you can tailor your responses to match the style that's appreciated within that company so have you done that has that ever changed your mind about going for a company it has yes has it it has yeah no way yeah i remember i was going for this one role and i went for the interview it was actually a really good interview really enjoyed it I met the person who was going to be my line manager really liked them as well then got invited for a second stage which wasn't actually said in the first stage it was really strange it was like oh by the way we'll be inviting you for a second stage and i was like okay no one told me about that but they wanted a presentation put together so i thought why not and i then realized that one of my old colleagues worked for that company previously but she was there for only nine months hmm. and she's usually someone that stays at a company for at least two to three years got in contact with her and i said i see you worked for company x is there a reason why you left after such a short period and she said it was the most toxic environment that she's been in and that whatever i do run away oh wow really direct really direct and i remember at the time i actually really needed a job also but i trusted the individual that i spoke to so i got in contact with the hr lead and notified them that i was pulling out they asked me why and i said i just know a colleague that used to work there who told me that it wasn't the best environment to be in they asked for more information i said i'm not going to give you more information but just letting you know that's the reason why I'm pulling out. But sometimes it pays off to, to approach someone that you might know that's worked there before. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, some individuals leave in a disgruntled way. You have to trust the person that's really telling you as well. Are they really objective? And she was. That's why I took her word. Has it happened to you before? Not in that way, but I know that I work for a company and I loved it. But it's Marmite for some people. And I know a friend also worked there quite a few years later. And I know she had a very different experience to me. So I know that if I ever asked her, she would have said, don't work there. But I know it's a great company. And I guess they had a bit of a personality work ethic clash. Okay. And that's the reason why she didn't enjoy her time there. Fair enough. And that's a perfect example where you have to really know the person you're asking and whether you're going to listen to what they say. If your personalities are similar, then you should probably listen. If they're very objective, you should probably listen. But if there's someone who lack emotional intelligence or they love to hold grudges, then I will just take it with a pinch of salt. Exactly. So moving on to the very first question that you might get. So we're now moving into the 40% time, which is all the common questions that might come up. And the first question that will come up is, tell me about yourself. The sandpit question, I call it. Oh, why'd you call it a sandpit question? The reason why I call it the sandpit question is because it's the first question thrown your way at the beginning of the interview when your anxiety is at its peak. So you can either sink or you can manage to escape it. Now, if you sink, the rest of the interview will end up going downhill from there. But if you manage to escape it, you will feel like the hero in your own story and most of the time you'll have a great interview and that's why i call it the sandpit question so this is where preparation really pays off if you can give yourself a good elevator pitch or a good summary of who you are in that moment then it's a great start to the interview ac i know you have a great example for that sandpit question so i will but straight after this video that i found on tiktok which shows a good and a bad example of how to answer this question okay Tell me about yourself. Hi, I'm Kenny. I'm 26 years old. I am. Um, I, I was born in, in Brighton. I, I grew up there, and I went to school there as well. Um, I really liked it there, and 
Now I spend a lot of my time just like going to the gym and stuff like a couple times a week. Actually it was my friend that sent me the link to this job to apply because I've, I've been looking for a while and actually this looks really good so I thought yeah let me just like apply and try my luck so um, yeah I'm, I'm, I can, I've got the skills as well that you need so I can do the job. Hi, I'm Kenny and I'm currently a Compliance Associate at JP Morgan. I started out in Compliance around three years ago after graduating university and I joined Lloyds Bank as an analyst. I picked up lots of valuable compliance skills on that role and I was able to move on to Santander to do very similar work but more focused on risk assessments. Now I'm looking for a new challenge where I can really apply and develop my skills at a company with a great culture. What I liked about this video, especially the beginning, she highlighted what not to say in an interview. I agree, yeah. I think there's a lot of waffle, a lot about your life story. Your interviewer really does not need to know that. They really need to know how you align with the job role and how you can actually do the role. Another thing that you risk when you overshare a lot of stuff about your personal life, interests and hobbies, is that if the interviewer doesn't match up with the same interests and the same hobbies, it's almost like they've already decided that you guys aren't a good match. So you don't really want to share all of that. So you want to kind of let the interviewer bring to light any hobbies or interests they have. And if it matches yours, then jump on that bandwagon but avoid it right at the beginning. Just to add to that, if you are going to bring interest in, then make sure it's aligned with the company. So if it's a pet company, then yeah, talk about your pet. It aligns with the company. But if it doesn't, it doesn't align with the role at all, then don't mention it. That's a great point. Absolutely. So I have a six-part formula that I follow in terms of answering this question, and it's always worked for me. So I'm going to share that with you guys. So my part one, it's a mini intro. It talks about my current position and how many years I've had in that position as well. So it could sound something like I'm a seasoned marketeer with 15 years of experience. And it's usually 10 to 15 words, very short. Concise, straight to the point. Great way to start it off. Moving on to your part two. And I like to add this in, which is why do I love this role? Why am I passionate about it? And I think why is very important. So my answer to that could be, you know, what drives me is not only the creative marketing process of helping brands achieve their true potential, but also inspiring and developing a team. Love it. Moving on to part three. So part three is your backstory. So it's an overview of your career from start to finish. So my backstory would be around starting my career working for some big companies. You can name some names and what you learned from working for big companies. And then I transitioned to working for smaller companies. And the reason why is because I wanted to challenge myself and I wanted to become an all-rounded marketeer. So if you're in a, ever in a situation where you've transitioned from a big company to a small company, I think it's great to give a reason why you've done that. Just helps the interview understand you a little bit better. And if you're not, then you just stick to the main company. Exactly. So in part four... You might want to focus on your specialist area. You know, look back at the job spec and relate it back. So for me, I'm an all-rounded marketeer, so I would talk about you know, brand acquisition retention. And if the role also required strategic and hands-on experience, I would actually bring that up in that moment. Yeah, sounds about right to me. And that would just be very short, you know, 20 to 30 words. You want to ensure that this area specifically links to the roles and responsibilities of the position you're applying for. Because what you're doing is you're showing before the questions even come your way that you've got those experiences so when we move on to part five this is where you want to really bring out your career achievements and you should only pick three maximum again it should relate back to the role bring in some stats make it really short succinct you know 70 to 100 words now with the stats me and ac have different opinions on that ac likes to throw the stats in there i don't to start off with because that could potentially come up at a later stage so that is entirely your choice i think if you do bring 
bring in the stats, be ready to be able to go into a lot of detail around that area. In that moment, they might actually stop you and say, oh, that's interesting. Can you tell me more? So be ready to be able to answer those questions. And then the final part is literally a summary of why you're actually applying for that role. Why are you switching jobs? That's going to be a question that's going to be on the interviewer's mind. So be ready to answer that question. And this comes back to our previous episode where we said your emotional intelligence will potentially be tested here, especially if you're leaving your previous role because you weren't happy with the company or your line manager. Show the interviewer that that chapter's closed and you're ready to move on. And for anyone who hasn't seen that episode, I'll put a link above. So for anyone out there who's interested in using this six part formula to answer this question, I'm going to add a link below. So moving on, if you don't have any experience, you might be thinking, uh, how do I answer this? What would I say? Yeah, I can imagine it'll be very difficult in this situation, but there's always stuff you can say. If you are a recent graduate, you would have worked on a project with a team. You would have done some research for your dissertation. There's a number of things that you would have done. And AC is going to touch on that right now. Yeah, that you could have transferable skills or soft skills. Apparently 92% of employers value candidates with soft skills. Yeah, and you know someone who actually got a job in a senior capacity just based on her soft skills when she actually lacked the experience for the role itself. Yeah, she used to be an athlete for the UK and she had no marketing experience, no qualifications in that area. She got the job and she aced that job. So there is transferable skills. You know, they've got a lot of discipline. They're very focused. They're team players. These are really key aspects that is very transferable into roles. So always bear that in mind. You've always got an opportunity. Do your preparation, get in there and you can end up in a similar position. Exactly. So moving on to competency, behavioral and situational based questions. Now, I think this trips up a lot of people in interviews because if you haven't prepared and they ask you on the spot, you're like, uh, what do I say? And how do I say it? And then you waffle and the interviewer's face goes blank. You're like, what are you talking to me about? So it's a very important part of the interview process. Especially if your interview is in the afternoon, guys, you need to bear in mind that they might have already held a couple of interviews prior to you arriving there. So if they waffled as well, by the time it comes around to you, they're not going to have the resilience or the patience for it. They'll probably just shut down. So you want to make sure that you fully articulate your response. And this is where preparation is significant. Yes. So with these types of questions, they're really trying to assess how you behave in the past and they want to be able to predict how you're going to behave in the future. So it's so important to get these answers right. So behavioral questions around how you behave in the past. So the question could be, can you share a specific example of a time when you handled a challenging situation in the workplace? A competency-based question is slightly different. This one is actually trying to assess the skills that are relevant to the job. So the question could be, Describe a situation when you demonstrate strong leadership skills. What was the outcome? Yep. So a situational question is around how you would handle a hypothetical situation relevant to that role. So an example could be, how would you handle a situation where you had conflicting priorities and the tight deadlines? Yeah, and this question will definitely pop up if you're going into a supervisory or a managerial position. And what they want from you is for you to answer how you would resolve the situation based on examples of previous times when you've actually done that. So that's a little tip for everyone. I love the tip. The way you might want to go about answering this question is the star 
methodology, isn't it, Chase? Absolutely. Like we said in the previous episode, use STAR for this particular question, which is your situation, your task, your action, and the result. And we're planning to do a video on this, aren't we, around how to use the STAR methodology to answer these questions? Definitely. We're going to do a short video where we fully dive into the STAR framework and how to utilize it in answering questions like this. And what we'll do is... Once that video goes live, we'll put a link at the end of this video for people to click through on that. Amazing. So other questions that might come up is more like self-awareness questions. And when I say self-awareness questions, it's like they could be asking you, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Yeah. I know you don't like saying weaknesses, do you? No, areas <laughs> of development is what I prefer. But a lot of people do use weakness. And I think in this situation, an, an interviewer really wants to understand how self-aware are you? What are your development areas? That's what they want to hear. They want to see, are you capable of acknowledging areas that you need to develop in? And if you're capable of acknowledging that, then what steps are you taking? What I usually like seeing a response in this situation is, tell me what is your area of development? But also then, as a bonus point, tell me what you're doing to improve that. So AC, I know you've got a few examples of areas of development that individuals can use. Yeah, like so one example could be workload management. You might not be good at managing your workload. So an example of a response for that would be, you know, I have a tendency to take too much on because I enjoy being involved in various projects. To ensure I maintain a healthy workload, I've learned to assess my capacity realistically and prioritize my tasks based on deadlines and importance. This has led to a better time management, improved overall efficiency. Perfect. Now, whatever you do, do not say I'm a perfectionist because everyone says that. I think that's the boring response that you get from people when they say, oh, I'm a perfectionist. Oh, I really don't know what my weaknesses are. All you're telling me is you didn't really prepare for this, did you? Because if you would have prepared for this, you'd have actually taken the time to truly review yourself and say, Oh, these are my areas, actually. So I'm going to highlight these. Exactly. I've had a situation and a few times, actually, where people have said a weakness that goes against the strengths of a role. So there's a requirement in the role to do something. And then they've said, oh, yeah, but this is my weakness. And I'm like, uh, this isn't going to work. I need to know an example on this because I've got a few myself. but I want to know your one. Someone was coming into a managerial position and I asked them this question. They said, uh, my weakness is like, I'm not very good at dealing with people. <laughs> really into a management role and i was like hmm you're gonna be managing people this is kind of like a key area that you should feel comfortable in yeah it's like one of the main ingredients you need yeah how about you so it was an operational position and they said oh my communication is not the best and i'm like you're kind of the middle man i kind of need you to be good at communicating with everyone unfortunately they didn't get the role if he's a core part of the role and you're saying it's a weakness that's going to go against you. Yeah, even though areas of development are important, you kind of need the main ingredients. Exactly. It's like going for a customer service role and say, I'm not good with customers. Not going to happen. Yeah. So moving on to the next question, which is, and this comes up a lot. I haven't heard this in a while for myself, though. Why should we hire you? I haven't heard that in a long time as well. I feel like the interview gods have taken that and really threw it out into the trash. Probably because people realize that they don't get a lot of value out of that. I've never liked asking that question. I don't think I've asked it once, actually, during my interview. Actually, I take it back. There was one company that made us ask it because it was part of their forms. Why mm -hmm. should we hire you? But to be honest, I remember raising it as I don't see the point of this question. I think 
The reason why people ask that is to A, gauge your passion for the role and really understand if you understand what that role is. That's probably why they're asking. You can get so much more out of different questions. Mm. Yeah, I don't enjoy asking that question. I feel like, you know, in the moment of Apprentice, you know, where he says, why should I hire you? And everyone just spouts off loads of stuff and I'm like glazing over right now. Yeah, I feel like it's a very confrontational question. Yeah. Like, why should I hire you? I don't know. Why should you hire me? <laughs> What's the best answer? Who knows? How can you answer that question without coming across maybe a bit too arrogant or, I don't know, some kind of negative tone? Mm. Like, I just don't like that question. Yeah, I hate it. But you might be in a situation where that question does come up. So make sure you read the job spec really well and thoroughly and understand what they're actually looking for. You know, highlight your skills and experience, show enthusiasm and commitment for the role and just make, demonstrate you're a good cultural fit. That's what they want to see. Yeah, with every single question, just just follow those examples. So a general response to this, let's assume we're going for a customer management role. I thrive on problem solving and engaging with customers, making me the perfect fit for the customer service manager role for X company. At my previous company, I led a team to streamline support processes, resulting in 60% boost in customer satisfaction. I am eager to become the go-to expert in your products, ensuring that every customer, regardless of the complexity of an emotional state, receives the right product and cover my hands-on management style and commitment to fostering a culture of continuous improvement aligns seamlessly with the fast-paced customer focused environment described in your job post i'm excited about the opportunity to lead the frontline team and i'm confident my dedication to customers and experience in managing teams will set the tone for exceptional service and teamwork that is a hell of a response yes However, I prefer a more tailored response. And I remember earlier on in my career, I got asked this question and I really made sure I prepared for it because I really wanted that job. And I based it, like I said, it was a marketing job. And I made sure I really focused on the four C's mm. and I applied it to the job spec and made it really, really tailored. I actually said to the director at the time, you know, I'll give you four reasons to hire me. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm a cross-functional marketeer. And I gave some examples. I'm customer focused. You know, customers are at the heart of everything we do. And, you know, I'm great at communication and collaboration. Gave some examples. And I also said, and I'm commercially focused. I like the creative process, but also I'm all about the numbers. And I remember she was really impressed by my response. And she said, can you repeat that again so I can write it down? And I was like, yes, I think I got this job. Yeah, that's, that's always the... <laughs> A good look when they're taking notes it's like yeah really enjoyed it and another question that might come up is where do you see yourself in the next five years yeah that comes up all the time doesn't it mm. definitely have a response to it right if you're going into a supervisory role then in the next five years your natural progression is going to be into a management position if you're in a junior management role then natural progression is senior management and on and on and on so always answer that question if that's the route that you want to go down. Don't turn around and say, well, in five years from now, I'm hoping that I quit my job and I move to another country where I plan to meditate for the rest of my life. It might be true. Just don't share that with the interviewer, right? Always have a response where you are naturally progressing yourself in the future. And show that you want to professionally develop as well. You might be like, I want to do a course that's going to help me get better in the role. That's what they really want to hear. I've had a situation many, many years ago, because they don't seem to ask me at the senior level anymore. But they used to ask me, oh, can you break that by year? They're like, what are you going to do in year one, two, three, four, five? And I was like, what? It sounds to me like that's a follow up 
question to see if you've actually truly planned out the next five years or if you've just put this together for the interview. Now, for a lot of candidates out there, bear that in mind. There can be follow-up questions that ask you to dive deeper into the details. Make sure those details are in the back of your mind. Yeah, so that's the point I wanted to also make is make sure you've broken it down by year just in case they ask you. Yeah. Because it can happen. So what might pop up in your interview questions might be some out-of-the-box ones. Yeah. One of those being, and I've been asked this many times, is if you were an animal, what animal would you be? And I guarantee you most people will say, I'll be a lion or I'll be a gorilla. What have you heard? I've heard dog, cat. I like dolphin, to be honest. They're quite intelligent and they're really joyful. Is that genuinely the animal that you find yourself connected to? Yeah, in some aspects. I don't think there's one animal that would completely be me. I think there'd be a number of animals. What about you? A donkey. Why? Because I work like a donkey. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like a work donkey. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, the reason why we talked about this is because the interview is trying to find out your personality, if you can think on the spot. Um, they just really want to know more about you. Yeah, and have fun with these questions. Out-of-the-box questions are great for you to respond honestly and you wouldn't be prepared for it actually in this occasion you might be if anyone did ask you about the animal one but have fun with it i think one thing about this question as well is that there is a little bit of bias and i'm hoping that someone wouldn't take that into consideration in terms of deciding whether you get the role i think it's a nice fun question you get to know more about their personality but i don't think it should be used to make a decision on whether you get the job or not i agree with you and i think sometimes some out-of-the-box questions that are used by individuals it's almost like they're doing it for their own arrogance because they want to try and catch you out so they can say during a pint down the pub with with a colleague oh and i asked this question and they didn't know how to answer it remember the purpose of conducting an interview is to find that right candidate for the role you don't want to lose out on a talented individual because you chose to play games so i think a lot of interviewers need to keep that in the back of their mind i agree with that I mean, there's another question that comes up, and I think this could kind of set the tone about whether you might get the job or not, is, you know, what would your friends, colleagues and managers say about you? And I think you should definitely have a good answer for this. I and mean, what would your response to that be? My friends would say I'm very sociable. My colleagues would probably say I'm very determined. And my manager would probably say I'm very reliable. And those are the three things that I would want to hear if I asked that question. Mm. What would they say about you? Quite similar to yours, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So you might also come across another question, which is more like brain teaser questions. How many ping pong balls can you fit in a school bus? Yeah. I think I've been asked that like really early on in my career. And that threw me off a bit. I was like, uh. So it's around testing your problem solving skills, isn't it? Yeah. Another question they might ask you is, you know, what's your management style? I'm sure you've got a lot to say about this, Chase. Yeah, I think if you're going for a management role, you better have a good response to this question or a question that might say what you think are three or five of the top skills a leader should have. Definitely have a response because what you're telling me is that you're definitely passionate about leadership, that you've read books about leadership and that you genuinely do want to progress professionally in your career. So you've taken all of these into consideration. Another question that might ask is, what motivates you? This is where they're testing the longevity of you being within the company and within the position itself. Sustainability is key for any role because you leaving is going to affect the resources and the finances of the company because it costs money to hire people. Exactly. 
So I've come across this before. They're more like trick questions. So they might ask you, you know, what did you love and hate about your last role? Yeah. Now you need to be very careful how you respond to that because if there's anything you say that goes against what that role is, they're going to be like, okay, so why are you going for this position? And also refrain from getting very emotional about why you didn't like your previous role, right? It comes back to the point that we raised earlier on, which is you want to be as objective as possible when responding to questions because your emotional intelligence is going to be tested on a regular basis throughout the whole interview. Exactly. They might also ask you, can you share a personal weakness that might impact your performance in this role? Make the weakness the smallest thing possible. Don't make it a weakness, which I don't agree with, mm. right? It's areas of development. But one of the key ingredients you should have in order to fulfill the position that you're applying for. Another one that might ask is, which part of this role would you not enjoy doing the least? Again, tricky question. You want to talk about things that don't really matter that much for the role because they're testing the sustainability of you within that position again. So as you're coming to the end of your interview, the interviewer might ask you some questions that you don't expect. So they might ask you around pay. You know, what are your pay expectations? You know how I feel about things like that is you shouldn't be asking what's your pay expectations. You shouldn't be saying to someone, oh, we pay up to 70 grand or this or that. Just tell people how much you're paying for the role. Don't sit there and put them through this turmoil of asking them what their expectations are to see if you can nickel and dime and save a couple of pence here and there. Pay the money that you've allocated for the talent that you want. I don't even know what the best response to that would be. If you go too high, are you asking for too much? If you go too low, it's just a really odd way to respond. I've been in an interview where someone's asked me, what are your pay expectations? And I said, whatever's been advertised is my pay expectation. That's why I'm here. That's also a very good response. And they've literally gone, oh, okay, thank you. What was the point of asking me that question? Because now I'm in a position where I think to myself, why would I even want to work for you? Right? Because why are you asking such a silly question? I mean, I've been in a situation where the interviewer was asking for how much I got paid in every single role previous to that role. How much did you get paid here and then here and then here and then here? And I'm like, how is that even relevant to the job? How? Again, such silly questions and interviewers and companies really need to stop doing this. It's so annoying and frustrating that they think it's okay to just sit there and nickel and dime with talent that they're trying to bring on board or they're inquiring about how much you got paid in previous roles. You've allocated a budget for this role. That's it. That's how much you're paying. Doesn't matter how much they got paid before. If you think they're the right candidate, then you take them on board. If you haven't done enough research, so you don't know how much that you pay for the role, then that's on you. That's not on the candidate. I think a lot of companies don't want to overpay. So if you're in your current role, you're only getting like 25, they don't want to pay you 40. Even though you're going to do that level of work, they only want to give you maximum a 5k increase if you're lucky. They don't want to give you more than that. And this is why the companies that invest in their people, the companies that actually don't sit there and nickel and dime and say, we're going to pay this much because we want the best. That's why fundamentally they do better than the other companies. So they might also ask you, are you interviewing for other roles? Usually I ask if I've had two or three candidates that have been really good and I, and I need to sit there and think, oh my God, which one suits? They're all so good. Have you been asked that before? Yeah, loads of times. But what I would add to that, say, yes, you are interviewing for the roles, but say that they are the, you know, your preferred company that you want to work for. They want to know that you want to work there. Absolutely. And if it is your first interview, you can be honest. You can say, oh, no, this is my first interview, but I do have other ones booked in. So I think this is the most important question that's going to come up. And they will ask you, do you have any questions? You should always, always, always have questions. 
that you would have potentially made a note of during the interview process. In my younger years, I used to have my questions prepared beforehand. As I've gotten older and I've gone into more senior roles, I've asked questions based on the conversation that I've had during the interview. Unless I've had pressing questions that I truly did want them to answer. What about mm -hmm. yourself? I like to make sure it's conversational and, and questions do come up as I'm talking. However, I do have some key questions I'll always try and end with, which is based on today's interview, do you have any reservations or concerns about me doing the role? I think that's really important because sometimes the interviewer will be thinking things in their minds and they're not going to express it. So I'm giving the interviewer an opportunity to raise any issues that they might have or things they might need more clarification on on my CV. So this is the moment where I can actually share that I've actually got that experience. And the great thing about that question also is, this is your opportunity to get feedback from the interviewer because it's more than likely you're not going to get any feedback later on. Another question that I always keep in my back pocket actually, which I did forget, I do ask even now, is what is your expectation of me within the first 100 days if I was to secure this position? Because I kind of want to gauge, are they realistic or not? I'm the same. I have like, what are your top three priorities that you need me to deliver on? And based on their response, I can then also decide if it is someone I want to work for. Yeah. I love this question. So why is is this job open? Yeah. I want to know, is the role open because someone, like a few people have been in that role and they've left? Did they leave suddenly? Or have they been in that role for a good amount of years? To me, that says, okay, the person loved the role. They love the culture. The company's great. I'd like to work there. As a candidate staring at the interviewer, you can see if they're waffling or not to this question. If they're waffling, then there's probably been an exit that they don't want to talk about. And so then you should be asking questions to yourself. Do I really want to work for this type of company? So other questions you might want to ask, you know, what's the culture like? What's a typical day look like for this role? What are the biggest challenges the business is facing? Because whatever they're facing, you're going to have to face in the role. So I think it's really important to know this. You can ask, like, you know, where do you see the business in the next five years? Again, kind of think ahead. What's going to be expected from you? Yeah, great questions. And then moving on, you finish the interview. How can you gauge if you know the interview went well? Or not so well. I can usually gauge it based on either the follow-up questions that the interviewers had for me, which predominantly is them trying to determine how long they've got before they can potentially bring me in. Or it's how they speak to me as they're walking me out. Like if it's jovial and very friendly and very inquisitive and they still want to sort of continue the conversation then I kind of know I've got a better chance like I've even had it where an interviewer's walked out with me and we spoke for another 15 minutes by the door as I was leaving and I thought to myself wow and lo and behold they called me up and they said we'd love for you to come in for the next stage. So a sign that the interview hasn't gone so well is if the interview is pushing through loads of questions really fast and it finishes earlier than expected if there's no connection there's no eye contact. Yeah those are definitely telltale signs so if you don't get the job then you should i think ask for feedback yeah good luck getting it i know uh, some most companies don't you know there's no legal requirement that they need to give you a feedback but some companies do give it like my old boss was so good at giving feedback most companies don't because either the individual who's interviewing you doesn't have enough time to give the feedback in itself the company doesn't put it as a requirement so they bypass it because they've got other priorities or if it's genuinely not been a fair process in itself so they don't want to give you that feedback apparently sensitive of candidates who did receive feedback didn't find it useful at all yeah because it would be like top line 
Like, oh, you, you just weren't a good fit for us. Or there was a personality clash. Or the one that you hear regularly is, oh, there was another candidate who really suited what we were looking for. So finally, let's dive into interview anxiety. The biggest problem for most people when it comes to interviews. Yeah, apparently 93% battle with it. And like I said in the previous episode, a lot of interviewers also suffer from anxiety. Mm. So take solace in knowing that it's not just you as a person being interviewed but your interviewer more than likely is also suffering from anxiety so maybe if you calm them down they'll probably give you the job yeah (laughs) that's one way so did you know there's five types of anxiety well, I found that in the last episode, but I don't know what the breakdown is. Yeah, let's let's get into it. So the first one is appearance anxiety. I think I suffer from that. Do you? Yeah. Why is that? Tell us more. Like I said in the previous episode, it's my love handles, especially when I've put on weight, when I wear stuff. I'm like, oh my God, my rolls are showing. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, I have or I've had appearance anxiety as well, mainly because I'm short. Oh, It makes me feel like people aren't going to take me seriously. They just kind of look at you like, oh, she's so cute. She can't do a management role. She can't do this. She can't do that. How is she going to have presence within a company meeting? And I feel like that goes against me. I fully appreciate and understand what you're saying because I've got a good friend of mine who actually suffered from appearance anxiety as well because he was shorter than most of the blokes in the company so he felt like he wasn't being taken seriously most of the time yeah it really does affect you but I've I've kind of got past that now so the way I get around my appearance anxiety is I wear heels you know I dress smart. I put more energy into building a rapport with the person and just, you know, enjoying the moment. So you overcompensate somewhat with your personality then? Probably, yeah. yeah. Without realising, now it's become part of my personality. I'm happy with that. And I think that's what I do as well, especially since I've piled on the weight for me is I will boost up my personality to make up for what I feel like is a difference mm. in my own mind, though it's not. I think for other people out there, you know, when you go into an interview, you know, plan your outfit don't leave it to the last minute don't go into your closet 24 hours before and be like oh what am i gonna wear trying on loads of clothes it actually makes you feel more uncomfortable you're like nothing fits so make sure you plan ahead wear something comfortable so when you're in the interview you're not pulling things down and feeling uncomfortable you don't want to feel that absolutely and it should be part of your research percentage when you're looking into the company maybe look into what's your typical dress code for that company and you want to follow suit and try and follow Focus on the positives, I think. Don't think of the negatives that are in your mind. They're probably not even seeing that. It's all in your mind. Just think positive. Absolutely. So moving on to social anxiety in interviews. So this is where you've got an intense, persistent fear of being watched and judged by others. Have you ever experienced that? No, I haven't experienced that before. So this is where like, you know, you meet someone for the first time and you're worried about, you know, the handshake, building rapport with the person when you first meet them. So the way you could probably get over this is, you know, make sure you prepare thoroughly for your your interview. Make sure you arrive early so you can feel comfortable in your surroundings. Focus on the message and not perfection. There's no such thing as perfection, folks. So definitely do not worry of that area. Visualize success. I think a lot of us go in and think about the worst case scenario and just be like, what if it actually works out well? I see myself getting this job and visualize that moment. And then you're more likely to have a positive outcome. Yeah, because you're projecting that positive energy and it really does help. And like you said earlier, your interview is probably nervous as well. So it's a two way street. Just relax. You're both nervous. Yeah. And deep breathing also helps. When you're in that situation, just take a deep breath in for four and then release for four. 
I think that helps in any situation, to be honest. Even when you're feeling angered or highly stressed, just doing that for a short period will really help you. And then moving on to behavioral anxiety. So this is stuff you can't control because you're getting nervous. So, you know, you might have a racing heart, clammy hands, dry throat, shaky voice, hands, mind blank. These are things everyone would struggle to control in an interview process. But there are things you can do. I mean, Chase, have you got any recommendations? What I usually do is if it's a virtual meeting, then I will have my squidgy ball in my hand. (laughs) Um, If it's out and about, usually if I do like a presentation or public speaking, I usually keep one of the fidgeting gadgets in my pocket. I don't know if you've ever seen that. You can get spinning ones or you can get clickers or something like that. Because I need to take that energy and keep it occupied elsewhere while my brain can think and Mm. my mouth can talk. What about you? So I actually like to listen to some music before and to zone out and get into the mind frame, something like powerful that's going to make me feel great. And that helps me just really focus on what I need to get done. Yeah, music is definitely A, a great stimulant and B, a great relaxant as well. Exactly. It might be that you don't need a powerful song. You might just need a a very calm song that will help you get into the mood. Breathing exercises also help. Yeah, I mean, breathing exercises definitely help, like you said earlier. And when it comes to music, I love music when I've actually got a lot of work to do. I throw on a bit of Frank and yeah, I used to do that so many times, especially when I had to work so late. A little bit of Sinatra made it nice and chilled. I think the other thing you can do if you've got the opportunity is, you know, do some form of exercise before the interview. So you could do like a stretch, yoga, or just go to the gym just to get rid of that excess energy. But don't tie yourself out that you can't actually get through the interview. Yeah. So the fourth one is performance anxiety. So this is a fear of messing up, dread over the interview outcome, feeling rejected. I mean, have you experienced that? I experienced it a lot towards the beginning of my career. But when I realized eventually that there is no such thing as perfection, everyone makes mistakes. And having sat in the interviewing seat for a long time as well, I feel a lot more relaxed. And that performing anxiety has definitely disappeared. Mm. What about for you? Obviously, if you get nervous, it shows that you care. So I don't think it's a negative thing. It actually makes you perform even better than you normally would, as long as it doesn't go in excess Mm. i've made peace with the fact that i'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea so if i go in interview and i've you know got the experience and the skills and i don't get the job i'm not going to try and take that personally because again i might not be a good fit definitely do not take it personal you are who you are if you don't get the the role then you just wasn't the right fit you don't want to get the job whilst you're not the right fit get into it and then six months later fail your probation absolutely So in terms of tips, one thing that might help you feel, you know, confident in yourself is to do a 60 second pose and look at yourself in the mirror. (laughs) It helps. So, you know, just look and that will make you feel confident. Other things you could do is, you know, when you have those negative thoughts in your mind and it takes over, stop yourself and say, would I ever say this to my friend? And if it's a no, then you need to stop that negative thought. Absolutely. You have to... Get used to coaching yourself through difficult situations. It's a skill that is absolutely necessary for the entirety of your life. So lastly, we've got communication anxiety. And that's all around being nervous about how you express yourself. Yeah, I can see a lot of people suffering from that. 
So one of my tips in terms of getting past the communication anxiety would be to do some vocal warm-ups. I've actually seen videos on that. In fact, I did it when I was getting my chartered management examination. I remember waking up early and doing it for a good 20 minutes prior to the interview being scheduled in because it was the first time in a very long time that my anxiety had really caught up with me. And, and it worked? Yeah, wow. absolutely it worked. I realised that I wasn't stumbling over the words. So yeah, we'll do a video on this as well for anyone who, who wants to, to work on that. I think so. I think it'll be a great help for a lot of people. Um, the other thing you can do is make sure you avoid certain foods and drinks before an interview. So one thing I would avoid before an interview is having coffee uh, because it's a stimulant and it actually can make you quite jittery. So one thing I would recommend is maybe having green tea. Or, you know, if you've never had an energy drink before, don't have an energy drink before an interview. So I actually learned the hard way on that one. When I was at uni, I had Pro Plus. Very, very bad idea. I prepared so well for my presentation. And because I was tired, I was like, oh, I'll have some Pro Plus. It used to be the trend back then. And I could not get my words out. I was standing in front of everyone and I was like, I was like, oh my God, I know what to say, but the words aren't coming out and it sounds really jittery. And oh my God, this has gone so bad. So yeah, don't do it. Other things you can do is make sure you hydrate. So have lots of water. And there's also specific foods that you should avoid as well before an interview. Yeah. And when you're drinking the water, kind of start reducing it as you get closer to the interview, because the last thing you want to do is keep rushing to the toilet as well unless obviously you have a condition and that you've notified the interviewer beforehand so the final point i wanted to make is when you get to your interview and your interviewer asks you if you want to drink say yes absolutely it gives you that time to take a sip and really think about what you're going to say next or if there's a question that's been asked and you need those additional few seconds before you respond take a quick sip exactly so if you have a moment in the interview where your mind goes blank which it happens to all of us don't worry about responding straight away tell the interviewer my mind's gone blank give me a few seconds and i'm going to get back to you yeah, i've done that before so yeah don't worry about doing that and in the interview where i've done that i've actually got the position there you go and even in the moments where you think you you're not going to get the job sometimes it might surprise you yeah get through the interview still do you the best performance that you can and you might be surprised you might actually get that job yeah and the best of luck that's all i can say we're going to have a lot more videos coming out to help people through their interview process and what we'll do is if you go onto the channel and you subscribe you should have uh, direct access to those we're also going to put all the download links that we promised below but we also got a bonus download link don't we ac yeah which is all the different categories that individuals can expect to pop up in the interview. And we're going to put examples of the questions as well as templates for the responses. And that should come in handy. And we really hope that the materials that we provide actually help you get that job. Absolutely. And hopefully the previous episode and this episode really motivates you and helps you in feeling more comfortable when you go to the interview. So that's the end of the episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Hit that subscribe button below and see you next time.